Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Morning, good evening, good afternoon, or good night. However and whenever it is, you may be listening. Thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy podcast. Happy, happy Thursday, everybody. I hope y'all are doing fantabulous so far today. We've got a great show planned for you today. We are going to talk Seattle Seahawks football because I have done some in-depth research and I have been contabulating and calculating some stats around the Seattle Seahawks and I wanted to talk about this team because they're in a really weird place and they've been in a strange position for years now where you have the Hall of Fame quarterback, and they make some successes, but minimal successes through the draft, and only recently have they turned things around, and we'll get to that in a little bit, but I'd like to start off the show with a little stat of the day action going on, which is something that we do on the DSD podcast, which you can check out right now wherever you get podcasts, but also this stat is just great to lead into the final appearance, at least for a while, from Douchey Hockey Guy. Because the Tampa Bay Lightning won their second consecutive Stanley Cup final. And uh, they're being called a modern-day dynasty. This ain't a modern-day dynasty, yeah. Uh, Shout-out to Migos. I hope I don't get uh, copyrighted just for starting that song that way. Um, Anyways, so Tampa Bay as a city, which is has three teams, the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and the Tampa Bay um, Rays in Major League Baseball. Those In the last 10 months, the three Tampa Bay sports teams have won three championships and played in four championships. Lightning, Stanley Cup, Rays, World Series, which they lost to the Dodgers in six games, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and Tampa Bay Lightning back-to-back. So, within 10 months, four championships competed in, three titles. The seven New York teams, being the Rangers, the Islanders in hockey, Jets, Giants, football, Knicks in basketball, Yankees, Mets, baseball, the seven New York teams in the last 20 years have played in four championships, and won three. Tampa Bay is title town USA, and we felt it was kind of inevitable, and they lost game four, but then won on their home ice, and Nikita Kucherov became a meme, not once, 
but twice after his contentious debate going through the hockey world about him being allowed to play because they circumvented the salary cap by having him miss the entire regular season, then coming back for the first game of the playoffs and him being, you know, 2019 MVP, future Hall of Famer, best player on the Tampa Bay Lightning. Even though hockey's a weird sport where the best players at most play 50% of the time, so one player doesn't make the biggest difference in hockey, at the same time, Nikita Kucherov coming back was just a pick-me-up for Tampa Bay who finished third place in the Central Division presented by Discover Card, ran through the Florida Panthers, ran through the Carolina Hurricanes, got a little test from the New York Islanders, but won that series in six. No, they won that series in seven. I forgot. They won a game seven against the Islanders. And then, I don't want to say destroyed the Montreal Canadiens, but they kind of destroyed the Montreal Canadiens. So yeah, Tampa Bay, Titletown, USA. The Tampa Bay sports teams have now won three championships in 10 months. They've won a league championship four times in the last 10 months. Shout out to Tampa, Titletown, USA, in addition to being Hockey Town, USA. And now they hold this generation's great dynasty in hockey. So congratulations to Tampa Bay and congratulations to the Lightning. If you're a fan of a New York team, oof. Oof. It's not like they root for all seven either. You usually only get to pick and choose like four of them. All right. So let's talk about the Seattle Seahawks. The Seattle Seahawks are a franchise that in the six seasons post-Malcolm Butler have won 65 games, 62 in the regular season, three in the playoffs. In the six years post-Malcolm Butler, which I was baffled to learn this last year when the Super Bowl rolled around, it was the sixth anniversary of Malcolm Butler, and it made me feel old. That means I was 13 when Malcolm Butler happened, and now here I am an old-ass 20-year-old doing podcasts on a Thursday morning. So the Seattle Seahawks have won 65 games since the Malcolm Butler play, which would, believe, which would make them the fifth-highest win total in the NFL. The teams with more wins since then are the Kansas City Chiefs, the New England Patriots, who we would expect both of those to be number one by a significant margin, which they are. The Pittsburgh Steelers are tied for third. The New Orleans Saints, I'm sorry, the Saints are third at 66. The Pittsburgh Steelers are tied. And then the Seattle Seahawks coming in at 65. Of those teams that we listed before, the Chiefs, Patriots, Steelers, and Saints, although the Steelers and Saints haven't played in the Super Bowl, the Steelers and Saints have played in a conference championship game in the last six years. The Seattle Seahawks have the most wins of any franchise that has not played in a conference championship game. Second on that list would be the Baltimore Ravens at 57, still a large number, and then we have a gigantic drop-off to 49. The next number is 49 for the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas Cowboys are 500 at, at that point. They are 49 and 47 
across the last five seasons or six seasons. The Seattle Seahawks are 30 games above 500. The Dallas Cowboys are two games above 500. So 28 game difference between first and third place with Baltimore mixed in there because Baltimore choked a brutal game against the Tennessee Titans back in 2019 season 20, January of 2020, uh, when Lamar Jackson won the MVP. The Seattle Seahawks over the past six seasons have been pretty much the same team. So post Malcolm Butler, they've won 10, 10, 9, 10, 11, and 12 games. So if you average out the 11 and the 9 for five consecutive seasons post Malcolm Butler, the Seahawks averaged 10 wins. They went 10, 10, 9, 10, 11, and then 12 last season. And last season was the worst of the six seasons. Well, no, they missed the playoffs one year. So it's the second worst of the six seasons because they won the division, but lost in the wild card round by a pretty significant margin. Pretty significant margin. And the Seahawks haven't had, you know, an MVP or a coach of the year or a defensive player of the year. Nothing like that for the Seattle Seahawks. The Seahawks have been about the same. They don't have a ton of pro bowlers every year. The Seattle Seahawks have kind of just been the same thing they've always been. And so I wanted to go back and figure out what the Seattle Seahawks have done to remain competitive while also remaining average. Because just because you have Russell Wilson led me to infer that it doesn't just mean you're going to bottom out. Like teams don't just bottom out over teams don't just bottom out with top quarterbacks. There usually has to be a level of incompetence. Case in point, Deshaun Watson. The Houston Texans did only win four games last year, but they had a just a god awful roster that without Deshaun Watson is now the worst roster in the NFL. And they were one of the unluckiest teams in one possession games last year. Their projected win totals, according to ESPN FPI, should have been seven wins. So the bottoming out of the Texans got them seven wins. And for six consecutive seasons, the Seattle Seahawks have had 10 wins and then, of course, 12 last year. So averaging just over 10 wins. So where I went back was the post-2015 draft for the Seattle Seahawks. And that 2015 draft was really good. It's what helped build their sustainability um, was the draft after the Malcolm Butler play. So after Malcolm Butler happened, then they lost that Super Bowl in February 2015. And then in three months later, in the 2015 NFL draft, the Seahawks traded Max Unger, and their first round pick to get Jimmy Graham, which turned out to be a bad trade, but it wasn't like they they totally lost that trade. Um, it was just an, an, a not great trade. It's just not great. So they got Jimmy Graham. With their second round pick, they drafted Frank Clark, pro bowler Frank Clark, who's now pro bowler for the Kansas City Chiefs and had three sacks or two sacks and three tackles for loss in the AFC championship game against the Buffalo Bills. And in the third round, they drafted Tyler Lockett. So they got three starters, 
with three picks and they traded obviously for Jimmy Graham with their first round pick. So they got Jimmy Graham, Frank Clark and Tyler Lockett with their 2015 draft class. So that's a really good draft class. If you can get those three players who, you know, Tyler Lockett hasn't made a pro bowl, but he's a pro bowl caliber player. So they've just, they've been very good with their drafting there. So the 2015 draft coat comes and goes. Now we get to the 2016 or I'm sorry, the 2015 season where the Seattle Seahawks finish as the sixth seed in the playoffs because the Arizona Cardinals won the NFC West that year. Seahawks go 10 and 6, end up being the sixth seed in the playoffs and travel to a freezing cold zero degrees Minnesota. And Minnesota ends up with the ball down one in the Seahawks red zone with under a minute to go. And they lose on the infamous Blair Walsh kick that went wide to the right. I'm sorry, wide to the left from like 20 something yards. So the Seattle Seahawks end up winning that game. The beneficiaries of an all-time an all-time choke or an all-time legendary loss. They win in freezing cold Minnesota, and this is outdoors Minnesota. This was that time in between where they had to tear down the Metrodome and build the new stadium that's indoors and has like glass panels that makes it light inside the arena. But this was the in-between where they were playing at the University of Minnesota Stadium, and it was totally outdoors, playing in zero degrees in January. And it's an all-time collapse by the Minnesota Vikings. So the Seahawks win that game, go on to face the Carolina Panthers, the eventual Super Bowl champion, I'm sorry, NFC champion Carolina Panthers, the 15-1 and Cam Newton season, and they lose to the Panthers um, in a game that was 31-24 but wasn't actually that close. So the Seahawks don't get to be three straight champions. They don't get to defend their title three years in a row. And a lot of players end up leaving in free agency after that season. Five starters leave the Seahawks, plus the trade of Byron Maxwell, who is a member of the original Legion of Boom. Still have Jeremy Lane, though. It's a nice little uh, piece to have just in the in-between. So the Seahawks move on from... Five of their starters from that season leave in free agency. Some of the realities of being a star team, they still have Cam Chancellor, still have Earl Thomas, still have Richard Sherman. All those guys are still there. But some of these other starters begin departing the Seahawks. They still have Doug Baldwin, still have Jermaine Curse, still have a lot of the pieces from that Super Bowl team. And 2016 in the draft... The Seattle Seahawks take Jermaine Ifefi. Ifedi? Ifedi? Anyways, he was their offensive lineman for a little bit. They get Jerron Reed in the second round, CJ Procise, and Nick Vanette. Those are their picks of note. They also get Quentin Jefferson, who ends up having success a little bit later on. But again, it's a, just a, it's a piece. And so 
the Seattle Seahawks end up again, Quentin Jefferson. I, I was thinking he had success away from the Seahawks, which is correct. He ended up having success when he came back to the Seahawks later on, but then was good with the bills and obviously is now a Raider. So the Seahawks end up having an okay draft. They get some solid depth. Duran Reed would end up becoming a starter, but nobody else on that team really ends up becoming a starter from the 2016 draft. And 2017 is when things all start to unravel for the Seattle Seahawks, where Cam Chancellor injures his neck and he retires at the end of the season. And, you know, the, the, there's disconnect between the defense and the offense, and guys have some issues with Richard Sherman. I'm sorry, not with Richard Sherman. Richard Sherman has some issues with Russell Wilson, and Richard Sherman tears his Achilles and then leaves the Seattle Seahawks. And so that 2017 was the ugly season where they missed the playoffs. And now their team is no longer the team that once was now, you know, Sherman's out the door, Cam Chancellor retires. Um, Earl Thomas is still there, but the Legion of boom is breaking up. Michael Bennett goes to the Philadelphia Eagles. So this is when the Legion of boom all breaks up. And Bobby Wagner gets to be the piece that stays in Seattle. KJ Wright gets to be the piece that they re-sign in Seattle from the Legion of Boom teams. And Russell Wilson's contract extension finally kicks in. So the Seahawks blow up 9-7 and seven season. It's the worst one of the run, but it was also a time where you could look and say, okay, this is where they bottom out. This is where they, you know, go 7-9 and nine coming up. Russell Wilson has a terrible roster. They fire Pete Carroll. And they kind of rebound from there. And then you get to the 2017 draft and the Seahawks make a strategic play of trading down. They trade down a lot in the 2017 NFL draft. They started off in the, I want to say 19 pick. They trade down to 29 then they trade out of the first round and land an extra third round pick. Then they trade back up in the third round. And the Seattle Seahawks end up picking with their two second round picks and their four third round picks. They're going, let's add some depth is basically the game plan here. They get Malik McDowell. Good, not great. They draft Ethan Posich. And by the way, Ethan Posich ends up still being on the Seattle Seahawks years later. They just move him over to guard instead of playing center for the Seahawks and then move him back to center. It's very confusing, but yeah, Ethan Posich ends up becoming a starter for the Seahawks and then they draft Shaquille Griffin and Leno Hill, and Nazare Jones, and Amara Darbo. So, the Seahawks end up getting two starters, a backup, and a Pro Bowl corner in Shaquille Griffin. Which, when you combine with the fact that in the seventh round, they took Chris Carson... They're running back who has been excellent for a number of years now. 
when you combine all that together, you can look and say, and say that's a pretty successful draft. You get one pro bowler. You get four guys who are still on the team. You get a backup, uh, a backup safety. You could look at that and say it was a fairly successful draft, combined with the fact that also in the seventh round, they picked up David Moore, who's been a backup wide receiver for years and was at their best their wide receiver three, not last season, but in 2019. So you can point to that and say, yeah, it's a quite successful draft. You got one star-ish player, and you've got some depth. And some of them with great value picks in the seventh round, like David Moore and Chris Carson. But then you could also point to it might be an indictment of the Seahawks that those guys end up becoming significant contributors during some of these seasons. But you, the, the arguments go both ways on it for the Seattle Seahawks. They get some wide receiver depth. They pick up a uh, starting defensive tackle and their new starting corner. So they replenish a lot of the depth by trading down in the draft twice. They get six picks in the first two days of the draft. Well, really on day two, they get six draft picks. And the following season, they end up getting the number five seed, just losing out on the division to the Rams. And this was the year that the Rams went to the Super Bowl as the number two seed in the division. So Seahawks get to be the five seed, 10 and six season. Great year for the Seahawks. Russell Wilson played excellent. And they get to the wild card round. And when they get to that wild card round, with their depth that they have, they can kind of stay in it. And and being the five seed is often an envi- enviable position because the team you're playing is usually the weaker team in a division. In this case, they got the Dallas Cowboys. In a game that was basically like just a grind out, run the football game. It was Zeke Elliott versus Chris Carson because Marshawn Lynch was obviously gone now. And the Seahawks just kind of like ground the, the, they just ground up the Cowboys and took strategic shots when they could. And controlling time of possession was the Cowboys name of the game. And the game ends with Dak Prescott scrambling and flipping into the end zone to give the Cowboys a lead. 20, in a 22-17 game in the fourth quarter, Dak Prescott flips into the end zone to give Dallas a one-point lead that they would hold on to and win just their second playoff game of the last 25 years. Over a defeated Seattle Seahawks team that, you know, they made it to the second round and now they were bounced in the past two seasons following two second round appearances, the Seattle Seahawks, I skipped 2016 just for the draft purposes, but they lose to the Panthers, lose to the Falcons in the second round by like just an absolute beat down, just get beat down by the Falcons, miss the playoffs, losing the wild card as they try desperately to turn this ship around. They try desperately to rebuild this football team. And the Seahawks get to 2018 and they trade up in the draft, give up their second round pick. They say, we are all in now. We are going for it. And they draft 
Rashad Penny, the running back from SDSU, SDSU as Tech's fight. And they only had, in the first four rounds, three draft picks. And two of them end up being Rashad Penny, a backup running back with injury problems, and Rasheem Green, a defensive end drafted in the first round. I'm sorry, in the third round, but it was their second pick of the draft. And he technically still plays for the Seattle Seahawks, but he went on injured reserve last year and has only played a few snaps during his Seattle Seahawks career. And uh, after this year, probably won't still be on a roster. So they get those two picks. And then the Seahawks draft their only all-pro player of their last four draft classes. 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 No, wait. 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. Five draft classes. Of those five draft classes post-Malcolm Butler... The Seattle Seahawks drafted their only pro bowler and all, or sorry, their only all pro player. And it was a punter named Michael Dixon. The Seahawks spent a fifth round pick on a punter and that punter ended up making all pro and he's still the punter for the Seahawks. And that is the Seattle Seahawks way. Their one all pro pick was a punter. But remember, as we talked about before, they've also drafted pro bowler Shaquille Griffin. They've made other moves outside the draft, like acquiring Quandre Diggs, like they'll do in 2019, which we'll get to that in a second. Um, we've got a, we've got a few more stories to get to before we get to Quandre Diggs, who ends up being a pro bowler. They've still got those two anchors, Russell Wilson and Bobby Wagner. So it's not like things are just falling apart for the Seattle Seahawks because they still have that blanket to begin with. What these players are helping them do is get over the hump. This is to get the Seahawks over the hump. And that year that they lost to the Cowboys, guess who their three pro bowlers were that season? Russell Wilson, Bobby Wagner, and Michael Dixon. And so they get bounced in 2018 by the Seattle Seahawks. They're now four years removed with a loss to the Panthers who would go on to lose the Super Bowl, a loss in the exact same round to the Falcons who would go on to lose the Super Bowl, missing the playoffs in 2017, losing in the wild card in 2018. So now this brings us to the 2019 draft where they've just taken Rashad Penny They've traded up. Their window is beginning to open. What do the Seahawks do next to try and improve the team in 2019? Well, the Seattle Seahawks have taken in the past Shaquem Griffin. They, uh, yeah, they've taken Shaquem Griffin. They've taken Trey Flowers. They've taken. They've gotten all sorts of depth pieces. They've got depth, but no. No way to replenish stars except through trades, free agency in select select situations. 
And so they go into 2019. First round pick, they select a defensive end named LJ Collier, whom they acquired by trading pro bowler Frank Clark to the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, Frank Clark has had a, a, a Frank Clark has had a good amount of success in his time with the Kansas City Chiefs and with the Seattle Seahawks. And LJ Collier, the book is definitely still out on him. He had an excellent season last year. He might have a breakout year this year. So the book is still out on LJ Collier. But if you factor in that they gave up Frank Clark and are looking for a cheaper option, and now Collier's entering his third season with a fifth-year option, no doubt. But the fact that he's entering his third season with minimal production for the Seahawks is a little tough for them to swallow. So then they get the second round. And in the second round, they trade up to select DK Metcalf. And DK Metcalf, along with the punter, Michael Dixon, reflects the best draft pick the Seattle Seahawks have made across six seasons. Immediate pro bowler. DK Metcalf is a star wide receiver that the Seahawks got as a value pick in the second round. So DK is the gold standard for what they've done. They draft Cody Barton. They draft Travis Homer. They draft Ugo Amadi, Phil Haynes. Like they draft some dudes that, you know, make it not a great draft class. Marquise Blair in the second round, but they pick DK Metcalf at pick 64, last pick in the second round, and he becomes an immediate star. And this leads to a 2019 season where Russell Wilson is far and away the MVP, has an amazing season. This is the peak Russell Wilson playing like an MVP in 2019. He only gets beat out by an all-timer by Lamar Jackson, who wins a unanimous MVP. But in week 12, I was saying Russell Wilson is the MVP of the league. And then Lamar Jackson went cuckoo in the last five weeks of the season. But Russell Wilson has an unbelievable season. And the Seattle Seahawks just barely lose out on the division because once they got to... Russell Wilson, that team should have won nine games and Russell Wilson single-handedly carried them back in three games. Remember the 49ers Monday night football game they played where they went to overtime and there was an interception and then another interception and then the missed field goal and the Seahawks kicked a game-winning field goal? Russell Wilson carried them back. Los Angeles Rams, Thursday night football. Russell Wilson single-handedly carried the Seahawks to a victory. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Jameis Winston, they were down 34-27. to Russell Wilson had the ball, took him right down the field, touchdown, get win the toss in overtime, right down the field, touchdown. Russell Wilson carried the Seahawks to an 11-5 record in two games they had no business winning. The Rams game and the Buccaneers game, they had no business winning. And so they get 11 wins. They were 10-2 and at one point, but then they kind of fell apart at the very end of the season where they lose to the Rams and lose to the Cardinals uh, because the Cardinals just exist to win random December games against the Seattle Seahawks. 
because that's just what the Cardinals did while they were terrible. They lose to the 49ers who were better than them. And that comes down to an inch. Remember that game? They were an inch away from having the number two seed in the NFC. They were an inch away from being the number two seed in the NFC and getting a first round bye. And instead they got to be the five seed. They played a, remember Marshawn Lynch came back. This was just last year. We were doing a podcast at this time, but remember Marshawn Lynch came back and they were a five seed that was a, a half a yard away from being a two seed by beating the 49ers and the Seahawks beat the Eagles who were just totally deflated. And at some point, all their injuries just piled up on them and all the realities of being that good piled up on the Seahawks. And they lose to the Packers in the next round, although Russell Wilson had a chance in the fourth quarter with the ball to go win the game. And they turned the ball over on downs because the Packers defense played excellent. And the Seattle Seahawks end up losing in the divisional round for a team that at one point was the best in the league. I, I One of the things that I remember about that season was a great gridiron Heights skit they did where we try and figure out which teams are good and your contestants are the Ravens, the Patriots, and the 49ers. And then someone screams out, it should be the Seahawks. And the Seahawks were a half yard away from Russell Wilson magically carrying them to a first round bye, getting to avoid the Green Bay Packers until the NFC Championship game. And yeah, all of that wonderful jazz that went down for the Seattle Seahawks. So Seattle gets bounced in the second round, but they've kind of turned a corner here. You know, Metcalf's playing better. They traded for Jadavian Clowney. And so now they go into 2020 and they just instinctively say, we're going to add a lot of pieces. And remember that Quandre Diggs situation I was talking about? This is where they traded a fifth round pick for Quandre Diggs. And he immediately just showed out like a boss. And by the way, that year that they went 11 and five, guess who their pro bowlers were? Russell Wilson, Bobby Wagner, Shaquille Griffin. So now we get to the 2020 season where the Seahawks start off the year six and one best record in the NFC. And the Seattle Seahawks end up with Quandre Diggs making an all pro and their long snapper making an all pro and a specialist for them making all pro. But to, to basic point, the Seattle Seahawks come into the 2020 season and win like six games, six of seven to start the season. And Russell Wilson gets them a contract extension. The draft right before they drafted Jordan Brooks in the first round. They drafted Darnell Taylor. They traded that third, a third round pick for uh, Jadavian Clowney the previous season. So they didn't have that. Um, they got some compensatory picks. They draft DJ Dallas. And they didn't get very much from that 2020 draft, at least so far. We'll see what Jordan Brooks ends up becoming. But he was a guy who had like a second or third round grade that they reached on in the first round. And he hasn't done much in his rookie year. But what the Seahawks did was traded for Jamal Adams, two first round picks, and saw the growth of DK Metcalf into an all-pro player. And so the Seahawks gave up a lot and then they traded for Carlos Dunlap to get edge rushing. So the Seahawks gave up a lot, but they influxed so much talent that they were going to get better. And the, and better they did. The Seattle Seahawks won 12 games last year. They won the, the NFC West. 
Had it not been for Russell Wilson playing poorly in the last eight weeks of the season, the Seattle Seahawks might have gone on to win the Super Bowl, or at the very least competed for the Super Bowl in the NFC. And it was just everything falling apart towards the back end of the season where they influxed so much talent that the Seattle Seahawks needed to have some level of success beyond these quick exits. And so the Seahawks end up bouncing out in the wild card because Russell Wilson threw a pick six against the Rams and just like Russell Wilson threw seven picks in two games and the let Russ cook movement kind of died out, like died right there with Schottenheimer who ends up getting fired and Shane Waldron comes in. And then there's like Russell Wilson is unhappy stuff that went around, even though Russell Wilson kind of folded when the pressure got strong. And so the Seahawks end up getting bounced in the first round. Pete Carroll gets a four-year extension. John Schneider gets an eight-year extension. And the Seattle Seahawks walk away from six years, no conference championship appearances, the 12-win season being their best. And they're going to be still good. Like the Seattle Seahawks are not going to bottom out at this point. They're going to be very good this year. They're going to make the playoffs in the in the NFC. But what's quite, I mean, barring injury, of course, injury changes the math on it, but the Seahawks have acquired talent in recent years, like major talent, Carlos Dunlap, Jadavian Clowney, um, Jamal Adams, obviously, DK Metcalf. In recent years, they've gotten the talent that takes a team that's middling in nine and 10 wins and gets them to 11, 12, 13. It's just what they had to give up was so significant that there can be a debate about the returns on investment, shall we say. And Shaquille Griffin left in free agency this year, which is another subtraction for them that they haven't quite replaced yet. So they have obviously some question marks, but they did add an all-pro wide receiver, an all-pro safety, a former Pro Bowl linebacker. And what it cost was two first-round picks, a second-round pick, and some money which they haven't given Jamal Adams a contract extension yet, so to be determined. But the Seahawks acquired the talent, and the talent influx was going to make their team better. Now is the reality where they get to find out whether or not they take another step forward while not acquiring talent, or if they fall back into that 10-win category because windows close so quickly in the NFL. As the Seattle Seahawks learned, they went to back-to-back Super Bowls. They were a dynasty. Then they lost twice in the divisional round to teams that would go on to make the Super Bowl. And they lost in pretty significant fashion, like teams that kind of dominated them. As they stayed in the middle, other teams like the Panthers and Falcons passed them. And then they kind of had to retool on the fly with a 9-10 and win season where they lost all those players. They lost Richard Sherman. They lost Cam Chancellor. They lost Earl Thomas. They lost all those pieces from the Legion of Boom. And then Russell Wilson entered MVP form. They got some talent around him and they've won 23 games in the last well, 24 games in the last two years, which, you know, since 2019, that would put the Seattle Seahawks as the I love that they put Jordan Love as the guy for the Packers, but that would put the Seattle Seahawks 24 wins sixth in the NFL, just behind the Packers, the Chiefs, the Saints, Baltimore, Buffalo, again, all of whom have played for a conference championship. Some of them multiple conference championships in the last two years, like the Packers and Chiefs. 
Now that I think about the Saints did not play for a conference championship. So the Saints, the most wins of any franchise that didn't make a Super Bowl in four years, and the Seahawks, the team that has won more games in the last six years than any team that hasn't played for a conference championship. It's kind of strange how that works out, but that is how it's worked out for the Seahawks. So here are the end results of the Seattle Seahawks draft class of the last six years that we were analyzing. Seahawks picked up three pro bowlers in six drafts, which is average to be fair. That is an average success level for the NFL. And when you already have the two hall of fame building blocks of Russell Wilson and Bobby Wagner, there's a base level of success you're going to have. So you're trying to get from the bottom of the draft, superstar caliber players. They've gotten three pro bowlers, Shaquille, uh, Shaquille Griffin, Michael Dixon, the punter, and DK Metcalf. And they've drafted two all-pro players, the punter Michael Dixon and DK Metcalf. Plus, giving up two first-round picks for Jamal Adams, a pro bowler, and a handful of starters like Will Disley, Jerron Reed, Chris Carson. Um, We mentioned David Moore earlier from that one draft. Cody Barton, Trey Flowers, just little pieces here and there that become starters. Even Rashad Penny or Jermaine Effetti, guys like that just become base level starters for the Seattle Seahawks. Some four and out before they go get other contracts because the Seahawks can't pay them what another team can. But just a lot of depth and starters, which doesn't make the Seahawks remarkable from any other franchise because everyone has a healthy amount of busts. The Seahawks have a healthy amount of busts, whether it be Rashad Penny or whether it be, well, I don't want to say LJ Collier because that's kind of rude, whether it be Marquise Blair, whether it be Ethan Posich, who's still technically on their team, but was a top draft pick. The Seahawks have a healthy amount of busts that they've picked. Rasheem Green. The Seahawks have had their own share of healthy busts. And they've been average. And a lot of those acquisitions have come recently, whether it be Griffin having his success in 2019 or um, Jamal Adams obviously being that increase because he's unbelievable, but they had to give up a lot to get him. They didn't acquire him through the draft. They gave up two first round picks to get him. And DK Metcalf obviously being the gold standard of all these draft classes for the Seahawks. So that's the story of the Seahawks and why they are stuck in neutral. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for stopping into the Take It Easy podcast. We've got episodes every single day, Monday through Friday, as well as Wired Up on Sundays. Uh, Follow, download, and leave a five-star review. Doesn't have to be a nice review. Just has to be a five-star review. Uh, Thank you guys so much. Uh, This was a fun episode today. We're going to have some more fun coming up here as july winds down game two of the finals tonight as well be on the lookout for that ladies and gentlemen and take it easy talk to you again tomorrow does that sound good thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.